Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. You hit the spot. The place where the conversation is pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Put your thinking caps on, because the conversation starts now. Hello, April. How are you? I'm good. Are you all moved in? No, I'm about a third moved in, and yeah. I'm moseying because it takes moseying to integrate into a new place, don't you think? Absolutely. Are you excited? I am. I'm in a brand new place on the planet called Mount Shasta in California. I've heard of Mount Shasta. It's pretty extraordinary. It's 3,500 square feet full of forest and lakes and rivers. It's gorgeous. Wow. It's a new house that you moved into? Well, my girlfriend's house. I'm, we're moving in together. Uh, what? And that's <laughs> new. That's new. So all of this is just kind of swept in as a really an answer to a prayer on a lot of levels all at one time. Wow. Well, I wish you all the best. Pace yourself. Don't overthink it. And count it all joy. Yeah, that's right. And her name is Joy. Her name is Joy? Oh, what synchronicity. Well, welcome to On the Edge, the place where the conversation is pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Brains, today we have Gavin Fry. And uh, he just told us about his exciting new venture. But, you know, Gavin is going to get real raw and real with us. I love it when a man shows up authentic. You know, he is a product of divorce or consciously uncoupling. But now he has had um, the opportunity to refine love again. And I'm excited. We're going to talk to him about that. (laughs) Also, he is a student of Jack Canfield. And, you know, Jack put it down. Okay, he is not playing and shucking and jiving he gives it to you 110 percent but also gavin came from what society may consider as a less than functional upbringing how did that impact his life what is he pouring into others and how is he going to take what he's learned to make himself as well as others around him better so let's welcome him to the edge how are you gavin thank you it's nice to hear your introduction to me—it's always unique, and um, you've you've spent a little time with it. So thank you, I appreciate that. Absolutely, I appreciate you. Again, like I said, a lot of people go through my shows and they see a lot of women, you know. But women are, you know, we love to, to talk all the time. But to see, <laughs> but to see my men guests come, they yeah. come and they come 110 percent because they know who they're dealing with. They're dealing with me, and I'm gonna pull back all the layers of the onion. So let's start at the beginning. Let me know, number one, what planet you're from and how you show up in the world. Well, it seems like it's planet Earth, but often I've felt as if I'm from somewhere else, and that even seems more real than this. But while I'm here, it seems like I'm supposed to be showing up in an authentic way to continue to get to know who I am on the divine level, on the human level, the whole spectrum. If I'm open to some of it, I have to open to all of it, and I think I'll do that until the end of my life. Well, so Gavin, let me ask you, you are a licensed spiritual therapist. Define that for me. That's not your typical. Yes, my my, my legal title is marriage and family therapist. But for over 40 years, I've incorporated spiritual focus. And it's really the centerpiece of my work with other people. So for me, looking for a term to describe myself when it was spiritual therapist, that would say, people who want to be in touch with and align with the spirit, but they also realize that they're human and they've got healing to do and they want to learn how to do that so they can clear that stuff out of their lives. Okay. 
But people get it confused and convoluted, spirituality and religion, doctrine. They're two different things. Can, Can you clear that up for us? I can. For me, I don't mean religion. Spirituality is the underlying assumption that within each of us is a golden territory of love and wisdom and compassion. And if we can get in touch with that depth and live from it, that's the highest form of spirituality. All right. Living in your highest good brains. Yeah. You know, that takes a lot of work because people are living the imposter syndrome on steroids. They're always sending their representative. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, you know, because you want to present your best to people or what you think is the best. Yeah. And to be real honest, sometimes, a lot of times you can't really show up raw and authentic. You don't know how you're going to be perceived. You don't know if you're going to be judged. You don't know if it's going to be this big snaffle or this kerfuffle and you embarrass yourself. How did you find your way, um, number one, to Jack Canfield and number two, to just decide to just say, hey, you know what? This is who I am and I'm okay with it. My my launch into psychology and spirituality began in my early teens because I had a brother who was five years older than me and a sister that was seven years older. So when I was 10, the sister was seven, she started 15 years of being a heroin addict. So my mom and dad and me and my brother watched that. My brother, who was 15 when I was 10, he went one step further. He started a life of crime, started with burglary, then kidnapping. Then he joined the Aryan Brotherhood, white supremacist gangs in the prison, and he killed a lot of black people. Oh, good Lord, have mercy. And I'm home. I remember being at home when my brother is coming home with his skinhead friends and they're loading up rifles from the attic and they're going to go out on a killing spree. And I'm sitting there doing my homework as a 12 year old, knowing what they're going to do, not paralyzed with fear, not knowing what to do. So the years from like 12 to like 20 were very dark. I was just hanging on. I pretended I was fine, but I wasn't. And so the world kind of went dark for me. But it did lead me towards psychology, and it led me towards uh, a bachelor's and a master's in psychology, looking to be a therapist. But by the time I finished those, April, I still was so wounded, I had no idea how I would serve others. Then I discovered Jack Canfield was involved in this. There was a group that facilitated uh, seminars, transformational seminars called The Awakening Heart. And in that five-day experience, I woke up to like who I was. I mean, I had spirit flowing through me. I released a lot of pain. It was safe. It was loving. And and I just started to open up. And once the spirituality became the center of my life, everything else fit in around it. And Jack Canfield was a good part of that because I was helping him work with teachers at the time. It was the beginning of his career, too. So did you get the Holy Ghost and start bouncing up and down and start shouting and speaking in tongues and all well, that? <laughs> I did do tongues, but I remember sitting on a seat, it said February of 1981, mm. sitting on a seat, and it felt like a fire hose of energy lifted me up off my seat, and I'd never experienced anything like it, and it was just like, so then it became clear to me, there's a presence outside of me that's larger than me. What? Say that again. There's a presence outside of me larger than me. I'm a witness. I'm a witness. <laughs> okay, really. Okay, it has happened to me numerous times. Yeah. Numerous times. And it's it 
it's undeniable, brain. It is. When spirituality hits you in whatever form, yeah. it is undeniable. You can taste it on your tongue. You right. hear it. You feel it resonate in your body and your soul, and you are never the same. That's exactly. Same. That was a, that was like a pivot. My whole life turned in a fundamental way. I've had more experiences like that, but it's like all of a sudden I was partner in a universe to something quite extraordinary, quite mystery, but quite ordinary, but was always acting on my own behalf. Okay, but check this out. When that happens to you, mm -hmm. sometimes we go from a flicker to a flame. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we overthink it and we can become a tad bit judgmental. Mm -hmm. I done found spirit. I done found God. I done found who I am. And you, and you, and shame on you because of this, that, and the other. How did you create a balance that you could deal with a heroin addict sister and a skinhead brother? The spiritual teacher who I met at the same time this awakening occurred gave me an orientation to the spirit that mm. said, yes, there's a spirit. And yes, we're human. And we have all kinds of unconscious issues. And we're on a healing journey. And so then I joined a university faculty where that was also the case. So there was built-in humility and a built-in sense of vulnerability, that vulnerability as a strength, not as a weakness. And so an openness to be transparent with whatever's here, whatever's real. And so somehow that didn't include my mind so much and a sense of arrogance and a sense of, I, I knew better. I couldn't hide from what I knew but I also knew that I there was so much I still had yet to learn. So it's always been that way. The more I learn, the more I realize I have so much to learn. It's humbling also too, because you know why mine was humbling? Because mm. I, was, I was scared. Uh, I was like, oh Lord, now I'm really held accountable. Uh, you know, when the veil is down over you, you can cover up your shame, you can sneak, you can hide, but when the veil has been pulled back, and you're there right in the grace of God, and you know that you're in this presence. We always are in and out. You got one foot in, as they say, folks is at church or they in church. So, you know, there's always one foot in, one foot out. And, you know, you, you can dibble and dabble, but when you know that you are in the presence of greatness, mm -hmm. and you know that that accountability is undeniable. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're still in the world, you're thinking, oh, okay, well, you know, this, that, and the other. But when you ask to repent and you ask for forgiveness and you say that I'm not going to do this again, you know, and you know that you're held accountable for it and um, you're scared, but then you have to understand that you are serving a loving God. That's right. That's right. That yes. is going to, you know, that's going to be there to support you because we are not perfect. No, don't. And we learn by trial and error. What are some of the biggest uh, accomplishments that you have made and adjustments you've made in your life since you've awakened to spirituality? Well, I, I joined a faculty of a university of Santa Monica, which had master's degree programs in spiritual psychology. And these weren't just conceptual. This was a real transformative learning environment that was safe where all kinds of our humanity and work from the unconscious, the shadow could surface. And we could also build and cultivate our relationship with spirit. And we were invited to create our lives in accordance with our dreams, with our gifts. And so we would work with people for two years 
And I did that for 16 years. I was very fortunate to be an apprentice to the to the people who designed it and facilitated it. So that was that was that was sweet. I thought I'd be there forever, April, but at a certain point it was as if I came up against a ceiling and I could no longer breathe. I wasn't growing anymore. And all of my dreams told me to move to move on. I fought it for a year, but then I finally surrendered and moved on. So then I started doing my own work, and it was called Sacred Passages, where I created a similar environment for people to do work over time. I find that's often a great way to go because people can open up really wide, and then they can go back. So helping them integrate it into their lives, the changes, the transformation. But I also integrated poetry and dancing and, 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 and watercolor painting and being out in nature because that's just what I love to do. Well, so I get married. Place. You're in the perfect place now. You can do all of that. Where I live is a retreat center, and we do that work. And I'm gonna, I'm being welcomed into that as well. Mm. Okay, so I'm sorry. You said so. You got married. Now so I, yeah. you're on this personal journey. Yeah. Self awareness. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if your partner is on the same journey, or you know, yeah, the very, very much so. Okay, and so then, what was the the divide? If you, you find about, all this love, uh, the divorce, the, the marriage. Yeah. Okay. So yes, we were on the same spiritual journey. We, we had an extraordinary marriage and then we had two boys. And when the boys were 16 and 14, they both had mental illness and substance abuse come roaring into their lives. One was oh. schizophrenia. Oh. One was bipolar disorder, serious, along with major addiction. And even though I'm trained as a therapist, I didn't work with that population. But what I found out is, well, that's just a, that's, there's a nightmare in that story. And it was tragic and it was hard and it was exhausting. And it tore at the fabric of my marriage and my communications with my wife. From what I've read, it's very common. Even one child like that can really tear at a marriage. We had two. So I still loved her, but it was like what we were creating together the fabric just tore apart. And I realized after a lot of prayer and a lot of therapy that moving on was what I was being asked to do. And okay. so, look, yeah. you know, I'm about to get down and dirty and all up in your business now. <laughs> okay, you're good. You get, you get as far into it as you'd like. Okay, because, you know, you're supposed to have found God and, and all of this and, you know, you're calling on this. Who ended up with the children, her or you? No, we both, we share, we share, and we both, and we're both in communication while we support and love them. And did they overcome and get better? One came out the other side. The other one's about two thirds of the way out. Really? Yeah. Yeah. But after a lot of rehab, a lot of suicide attempts, a lot of drug overdoses, a lot of challenges, my part of it, see, when I was younger, when I told you about my teenage years, Right. One of the ways I adapted April was I tried to be the hero to my mom and my dad. That was the archetype I took on. Uh -huh. So with my kids, I tried to be the hero. I tried to save them. But I soon realized that I could not. I could not save them no matter how much I loved them. So I kind of put aside my life, my life on the side and I had to move my life back in. I had to let go of the marriage. The boys, when they heard we were getting a divorce, were very grateful. They knew that we were not compatible any longer. Mm. So, and as, as their therapy, have they taken responsibility and ownership for their contribution to the kerfuffle? Well, I don't know if they would have called it a contribution to our marriage going 
left or right, but they've certainly begun to re rebuild the ground, the solid ground that they never had to, to stand on and build their life, which they're doing. And they it takes a lot of work for them to do it, but they keep it's, doing it. It's, it's day by day. It is. It you is. know, especially when you have mental health challenges and you self-medicate. God, I mean, the mixture of that is like, it's just, it's just pouring, you know, gas on a fire. Wow. Those were the most, those were six years of the most suffering I've ever experienced in my life because it just seemed like it would go on forever and I felt helpless. It was really, really hard. It was dark. And so when you called on your spirit, when you called on your God of all understanding and wisdom, what would you say to him or her? At that time? Right. At that time, I actually went to God and I said, I need to know, I need to know from someplace that I can trust, how do I proceed here? And I asked the question, am I genuinely committed to continue building my life with my first wife? And the answer came back, no, and you haven't been for a couple of years. Mm. It's, time, it's time to move on. Wow. I Same. don't always get answers from that deep, but when I do, I treasure them and I follow them. That's right. And it's undeniable brain. No, that's right. It's not, it's not the brain. It's not the mind. I've, I've had it happen before. In fact, when we were going through all of the dark times and it was so hard, I also prayed and said, how do I handle this? This is overwhelming. And, in the, and the answer came back, if you begin to relate to what's happening to you and your family as anything but a gift from God, you're off course. And people don't realize that there is a blessing in that destructive behavior. That's right. There is. There is a testimony. Yeah. You are able to be resilient. You are the, you're an overcomer. That's right. Okay. Trouble don't last always. That's what the word says. <laughs> Thank God for that. Okay. It does not get goosebumps when I think about it. I'm right there with you because I know. But the things that do not kill you, Gavin, are the things that make you strong. And I don't know if you had this experience with this, April, but those years were so hard. And I did have the prayer to grow from it. You know, it's like there's purpose in this. And when I left the marriage and I moved up to from California to the Pacific Northwest, I found that I had gained a, a contentment. I had gained a spiritual strength. I had been I I increased an ability to see and consciousness. I'd been growing all that time, and I didn't even know it because I was just surviving. But I was growing. Mm, mm, mm. So you grew on a new path. What gave you the courage to try to seek out love again? I've always had the instinct that I'm at my very best in a divine partnership with a woman. That's just something about, there's a knowing that that's my circuitry. That's part of my spiritual practice is being in relationship. It's not just a physical relationship. It's a spiritual partnership. And I had a great marriage. And so we had all those challenges. And so I just knew, and I've been praying and dating for four months. And it was just two months ago that I met my partner, Joy. And and wait, 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 wait. You just met her two months ago and now you guys are cohabitating. Yes. See, now, see how God works. Did you meet her online? Yes, I did. Step the front door. <laughs> Spiritualsingles.com. Uh-uh. Really? Yep. yep. I'm telling you, I know, see, I've been married to Mr. Magnificent in marital bliss for 39 years. I wouldn't even know what website to go to. I know. I know. It, it's a fierce path. It's not easy. It's not easy because you can't control it. You can learn a lot about someone if you listen to your intuition and they, they answer questions. You can tell. So I dated a lot of wonderful women, but we weren't a match until now. 
All right. So wait, wait, but so how did that work? So one day you said, I'm going to pull up this website because I'm looking for me a honey. Tell me what right. happened. How'd you do well, that? I, for the first year that I left that marriage, I was in a granny flat in Portland in the bottom of, of, of a four bedroom home, a four story home. And I was by myself for the first time in almost 30 years. Mm. I loved it. I loved it, April. It was a fantastic year. And then a friend asked me, they said, well, have you started dating? And I said, no, I, I think I, I, I think it would be overwhelming. I don't know how to represent myself. He said, I'll teach you how to write your profile. The key is to make it as authentic as you possibly can. And he said, and I'll teach you how to respond to inquiries so you don't get overwhelmed. And he did. And so I started dating. And so, you know, I, I understand what I've learned about myself is that I can love people pretty quickly and deeply and in a real way. So that's one thing. But that doesn't mean I'd need to be living with them or marry them. Compatibility right. is the other the other part of the equation. Long-term compatibility is, is essential. Thinking loving is enough. It's just not enough. There needs to be compatibility. Okay, so were you ever catfished? <laughs> 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 What'd you say? I said, were you ever catfished? Did you? Did anybody ever show with the imposter syndrome? You know, they presented themselves one way, and after doing a deeper dive, you found out that this is really not who they uh, portray themselves to be. That was my second marriage. Mm. Now, how many times you've been married, Gavin? Well, I've been married twice. But so okay. when I first started dating, I found someone who I thought we were a match, and I thought the love was deep and the compatibility was there but the compatibility wasn't there. I selected someone who wasn't prepared to be in a relationship with me in a healthy way. Mm. And I realized that I just said, you know, I felt embarrassed. It's like, I realized it's not about them right or wrong. It just wasn't a fit for me and I knew it and I needed to step away. Okay, so um, did you have very high standards? I'm sure that you did, but you know, or were you just, you know, oh, this person is telling me I'm, she's, this person is telling me everything I need to hear. Because when you are typing something and someone is reading mm -hmm. your words, it's left up to their own interpretation. It's true. That's true. Okay? And so you can say, as my husband says, you cannot use all the big $25 words in the world right. Right. and say the right thing. Right. So, you know, did you, of course you have certain standards, but were you also a little gullible and a little vulnerable because you wanted this love and you that's, wanted that? That's exactly right. I was gullible because I knew what I heard what she said and I knew what I wanted. And I told myself, if I just pour my love into this 100 percent, it can work, which also I found isn't true. But I also I discovered that oh, I was going to say something to you. Um, gullible. And vulnerable. Um, oh, yes. Oh, yes. I was so enthused about creating the kind of relationship I wanted, the marriage I wanted, that the warning signs where there wasn't compatibility, I skipped over. I skipped over three or four times. I even made the mistake, April, of thinking, well, if it's challenging, then maybe if we get married, maybe that'll help her. Oh, mercy, mercy. To the altar in front of God, you know, it should get her mind right. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which, of course, did not happen. And then, then I knew that it was time for me to go. So it was my discernment 
And it was my skipping over warning signs and not, not dealing with truth and reality when I saw it because I wanted something else. So I think, you know, we can pray and we can ask for what we want, but we have to pay attention and we have to be truthful. But baby, you got to be specific. Not Pacific brains, that's an ocean. Specific <laughs> as, to, as to what you want. Yeah. You know, somebody will say, send me a husband. Well, you can get a booger wolf. Right. You know, what is, you know, how you want them to treat you, mm -hmm. uh, support you, encourage you, motivate you. But also, what are you willing to sacrifice and lend? Because when you get to a particular age, you're going to get somebody that's got bad credit. They got bad kids. They got bad teeth. <laughs> they don't have no insurance. All these things are going to happen. What are you willing? What is your, your boundary? What is your cutoff point to say, uh-uh? So now I'm going to get you in some big trouble. What, okay. what makes this one your queen? Well, this one really has a deep maturity and integration, not only with spirituality and, and a relationship with the invisible, but also is willing to do the deeper work that requires, I think, a fierce level of courage and vulnerability when her issues are triggered. To me, 80% of the challenges in her marriage, and I work with couples, are sourced from each individual's unfinished, unconscious issues. If they're both willing to do that work, and what I found out is the woman that I married second, she was not willing to do that work. So this one is, and she recognizes when, when we're together and one of us gets triggered, it's uncomfortable, it's scary, but it's also gold. It's gold. And actually the purpose of a, of a healthy rom a romantic partnership, spiritual partnership, it's actually surfaces the unconscious. It's designed to surface the next levels of healing for each partner. That's actually an indicator of success. Okay, but do you respect and honor her independence? Because she has her own personal relationship with God. It yes. is not a, uh, in a, it may be in alignment, but it is not dictated or in cohesiveness with what Gavin Fry wants. It's right. that's between her and God. Right. Okay. So the health of the marriage is going to, the relationship is going to be, she maintains that with her sovereignty and her discernment. Okay. And I do the same. Then the relationship, if it works, it works. But you don't want to alter and modify each person's relationship with their own depth in their own heart. So I'm with you. Have you seen the movie Barbie? No, I haven't. I hear it's out, but I Well, let me tell you that is a date movie. And it oh, is wow. it is not what you think. Ah. It is not what it's going to take you to a whole different level of understanding who you are as an individual. Hmm. You know, Ken's whole uh <laughs> accessory <laughs> uh, as an accessory to Barbie, but Barbie finding herself. And I think that everyone, I think, you know, sometimes people are, they're going to be misled because they're thinking it's kind of cartoonish, which right. I think they should get an Academy Award for their creativity was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. But the underlying subliminal messages yeah. that came through about having their own identity and being married 39 years to someone that I absolutely love the breeze that keeps him cool, Gavin. I'm sprung. Yeah. I told yeah. him the other day, I got to get a hold of myself because I am in love with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. However, I am also in love with me. Right, right. And I love him enough that if he ever decided that this is not where he wants to be, yeah. Yeah. I love him enough to set him free. That's, that's maturity. 
That is, that is maturity. You'd only want it if they genuinely wanted it with all their heart. And if that shifts, then that shifts. And that's not a controllable phenomenon. So when you work with couples, when you were in this time of flux, you work with yeah. couples and then you come home and, you know, alcohol and drugs, you probably didn't want to do too much of it, but you might come home and have a beer. You sit there in front of the TV and you get to thinking, you know, am I being authentic how am i really helping these people with their problems because you're there you're now their container i understand they're pouring everything into you and that's a lot to process and your own stuff too right you know how do you separate that when you're working with clients because we're all human beings right i think it's a mistaken notion for a practitioner counselor therapist to consider that they need to be resolved and without issues in order to hold a container and support other people. It's just not true. I even found that when I was going through the depths of what I was in my marriage and family, I was often at my best because I was facing the hard things that most couples, when they come my way, they do need to look at the heart. Each person needs to look at the heart and they need to look at it in the relationship. So when you, when you know that there's healing and awakening involved and you choose a relationship for that purpose, it's okay that things are are in process with even with the person who's facilitating it, as long as they own all of that. And I wouldn't hesitate to share. I'm someone who's transparent when I'm working with couples about issues I've had or I'm even currently having. Because the last thing I want to do is give them an indication that the goal is to be done. There's no such thing. Mm, so we're ever evolving. We're a moving target. I think so. But as a moving target, we're always dodging a bullet, too. <laughs> I'm, I'm just keeping it real. You know how that is. Yeah, I do. I do. Speaking of dodging bullets, let's go back to that brother of yours. Yeah. Is he a nicer, gentler soul? Does he believe Black Lives Matter now? Here's what happened, April. For 15 years, he was involved in a lot of killing, in prison and out of prison. But he also began to question whether there was something more in life. And so a prison ministry volunteer came and talked to him after 15 years of this. And he had a complete and total religious conversion within minutes. And he completely changed all of that revenge, all of that animosity and hatred. All of that disappeared. He became mild-mannered, still had tattoos all over, became clean-shaven, and he got out and he worked at a church working with the youth for quite a number of years, contributing to their lives. So his life turned on a dime. Ah, won't he do it? Won't he do it? Yes, he will. Yes, he will. <laughs> wow. Wow, wow, wow. Well, I am so glad to have met you. Hmm. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your transparency. Thank you for your dedication. And thank you for your sacrifice. Hmm. Because this is a sacrifice. And I tell you, brains, loving the Lord is a sacrifice because there's things that you just aren't going to do again. Things that you've wanted to do, places you want to go, things you want to say, actions you want to take, but you know that it is not the right thing to do. Right. And spirituality and God is not to be feared. See, that's what annoys me is that folks try to whip you with that. If yeah. this is an almighty loving God, then why will I be punished 
Why am I shunned from my family? Why can't I, you know, uh, uh, wear a certain thing? Why can't, as a woman, I can speak out and be a clergy? There's all of these other uh, convoluted ideas that have been misinterpreted from what I think God wants us to do. Right. However, I do know in my word that we are, whether y'all believe it or not, brains, living in the last days. Now, I can't tell you if that's 10 days. I can't tell you if it's 100 days. I can't tell you if it's 100 years. But I know the things that I have read and that I practice are coming into fruition mm -hmm. a whole lot faster and quicker than I ever thought. Mm -hmm. And so what I am personally trying to do is get my shit together right. to make sure that I'm not going to be perfect. You know, I had my come to Jesus meeting during COVID, but I know for sure that if I do something, I take ownership for it. If I repent, I'm not going to do it again. I'm mm -hmm. not going to bother you, but I'm not going to allow you to bother me either. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I'm going to try to love my brothers and sisters the best that I can. Now, unconditional love, Gavin, mm, that's not my strong suit. There's conditions on my love. Absolutely. You come at me sideways. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't pretty, yeah. uh, but to have patience and to have tolerance and take accept responsibility for my actions, mm -hmm. I think is the biggest thing that each one of us can do. Yeah. Can you leave us with some words of encouragement and, and what's your thoughts on that? Well, it seems to me part of what we're talking about that occurs to me in this moment is a life of surrender and a life of following, not leading. So there's a depth, a depth of voice or presence that I, that I aim to follow. And when I often get in trouble is when I'm not listening carefully, like in that second marriage. I didn't listen carefully. So, But that, that voice also said, it's okay to walk away from this. Take it as a learning. Take it as gold. So I think that when we surrender and follow and we discover who inside is connected with something outside that can be followed and we can trust, there's that's the promised land to me. Well, there and your new home. I'm so happy for you. Keep me posted. Uh, I see you love and abundant light. Tell my brains how to get in contact with you if they want to work with you. Uh, contact you on social media. I'm inspired by your quotes and the things that you that you say, the things that you do. Um, it's pleasing to my soul. Thank you. Well, I, I can be reached at my website, GavinFry.com, G-A-V-I-N-F-R-Y-E.com. My Instagram, which has a lot of the work that I do on it, including videos, is Gavin James Fry. Instagram at Gavin James Fry. And I have a book called The Real You, Leading Your Life from Your Authentic Self. Now, we have, we have featured that, and I have been running that a okay. little bit. Before we close, yeah. Pick a passage. Pick something out of the book that you'd like to share with my brains. Okay. So let me, let me. Yes, please share. Here is a quote from my spiritual teacher. His name is John Roger, John Dash Roger. Spiritual progression is a continual process of leaving behind the old familiar patterns and venturing into the new. Wow. And new? Is something different and exciting. And it is. It's brand new. We're reborn and then we're reborn. We don't get reborn once. We get reborn over and over and over and over if if we allow it. If we allow it. Yeah. Well, thank you for allowing us to be with you here on the edge. Brains, go in. Instagram, Gavin James Fry. 
go into Facebook, Gavin Fry, and go in and purchase the book. All of the information will be provided in the show notes as well as the back of the book. And tap in. I'm sure that he would love to get your questions, your comments, and maybe help you if you are in a spiritual quandary. It may not be the same religious doctrine. That's okay. But know that there is something bigger, brighter, and superior to all of us. Thank you so much, Gavin. I appreciate you. Come back and see me again here on The Edge. Okay. okay? Bless your heart. Take care, April. All right. Brains, I need you to like, love, share, and subscribe. Pretty please. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.